0: Blog Talk Radio Well, bless the Lord everybody, bless the Lord This is Pastor Winfred Burns And you are live with the Word on Wednesday What a wonderful, wonderful day we've had today, and exciting and action-packed, and we're going to continue it even right now as we get into our lesson for tonight, and if you just give me one second, I'm going to get our timer so I can make sure that we are on time. We're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to go right into tonight's lesson. So, last week, we finished off, uh, well, actually, we finished with um, Satan and the offering plate, and we talked about uh, how, basically, how people will allow themselves to be drawn away from uh, the true method of giving and how Satan will get us interested in something else, pride and doing a bunch of other things, and this really messes us up. And so we want, we spend a lot of time on that, and in doing that, uh, it kind of put us behind. So tonight, we're going to step up the pace just a little bit, and tonight. Uh, We're going to, first of all, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to dive right into the lesson. I'll give you kind of an overview of what this chapter is about, and then we'll get down and and get into the nuts and bolts of it. Amen. And if it looks like I'm a little bit discombobulated tonight, I am. I'm just a little bit off because this was uh, more action in today than I normally plan yet, but it was an action packed day and it was a good day, but it was just I did more than I um than I think I should have. But anyway, I got it, so that's all that matters. Anyway, let's let's bow in a word of prayer. Eternal God our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless your name for you. Our group. We bless you because your mercy endures forever. us. We bless you, O God, because we don't have to be perfect. We have to be faithful. And so, God, we ask that even right now that you would increase our faith, that you would strengthen the faith that we have, that we might follow you. Father, we just thank you so much that even when we are faithless, you are faithful because you will not deny yourself. So, Father, we thank you. We ask that you would hold us in the hollow of your hand. We ask that you would lead us and guide us in this Bible study. We ask that you would be our teacher tonight, Lord, and help us hear what the Spirit is saying unto us on this day. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us into all truth. We thank you for your Son, Jesus, who modeled how to live before our eyes. We thank you that he went to the cross and died for our sins. We praise you, O God, for you are good. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we go into our study tonight, I'm going to ask you to turn over to Acts chapter 5, and we're going to pick up right at um, the 12th verse. And when, you, when we get to the 12th verse, I'm going to stop us right there. And we're going, we're going to do, and my clock is messing up on me, so just give me a second. Uh, this, you know, all this, okay, here we go. Let's start now. So when we look at this chapter in its totality, one of the things that we will see is there is this constant clash between Satan and God. And Satan is trying to draw the disciples away from their purpose. And God is trying to encourage them to stay the course. And this is particularly important because the church is in its infancy. And so here we see the early clashes uh, we saw an early clash in chapter four, where um, the uh, Sadducees hauled uh, Peter into court because he Peter and John into court because of the healing that they had done, and they had told them, "Don't uh, teach in the name of Jesus." And so now, uh, then we saw Ananias and Sapphira, and how Satan incited them. To move away from unity by uh, being lifted up in their pride and by wanting to be seen, and so they polluted the offering and they died for it. And now, uh, and and fear has overtaken. Uh, and we talked about what the fear was. It was a reverential awe of what was going on with the disciples. And so now. We get, to a, uh, we get to a point where um, the disciples have been released from jail. They're going and they're staying true to mission. And so in verse 12, that's where we want to pick up at from last week. And again, what you're going to see is that clash between uh, what Satan wants them to do and what God wants them to do. And so we've entitled the lesson tonight, Your Religion or My Relationship. and That's going to be the theme of the rest of this chapter, Your Religion or My Relationship. So with that, look at Acts chapter 5, verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, At least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So what we see is that the disciples stay true to the word of God. They stay true to the mission of God. And signs and wonders are done through, in their ministry. Now, this shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, because what does the Bible say concerning uh, signs and wonders and believers? Well, go back to Mark chapter, uh, chapter 16. Let's turn over there real quick. Mark chapter 16 and, you know, the word agrees with the word. I don't tell you, the word does not contradict itself. And when Jesus says something, we can expect it to happen. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. And what Jesus is promising to the disciples is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, if you believe, these signs will follow you. Well, guess what happens here? It's just as he said. He says, so that they even, verse 15, so that they even carried out the sick into the street and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least a shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. And they were all healed. Now, So what Jesus has said, signs would follow believers, has actually come to pass. And he said something else. He says, and the works that I do, even greater works shall you do. And what do you mean by that? Well, he says, Peter's shadow, when Peter's shadow fell on them, they were healed. There are no accounts in the gospel where this happened, where Jesus' shadow healed somebody. And the power was not in the shadow. The power was the power of the Holy Spirit reaching out and extending and doing what the Word said it would do. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that Word told them, gave them a word that has come to pass. Amen? So what we see is the fulfillment of Scripture. What we see is what happens in a community of believers when they are doing the work of God. Signs and wonders follow. Well, you say, now, Pastor, we don't see, we're believers, and we don't see signs and wonders following us. Sure you do. Sure you do. There are people getting healed every day. But sometimes we think that the only healing is a physical healing. How many times has the Holy Spirit shown up and drawn people away from their sin sickness? As a matter of fact, you got healed because you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and Jesus healed you. And it was through some disciple. That it happened. Somebody discipled all of us. Somebody came along and spread the good news to all of us that caused a wonderful thing to happen. We once were lost, but now we're found. We were dead in our sins, but we've been made alive in Christ. Those are miraculous things. And it's not to say that God doesn't heal or that God doesn't raise the dead, or that God doesn't give sight to the blind. I'll be the first to tell you, oh, yes, he can, and yes, he will. We have to stop marginalizing the work of a disciple and that who is obedient to the call by going and spreading the word. Amen? Because signs and wonders, and the signs and wonders are controlled by God. God decides what sign He wants, so He can then reach out and do what He's going to do. Amen. So now, let's let's move on and <clears throat> look at verse seventeen. Because now you know, even though the church is growing and even though it's flourishing and God is operating there, the devil ain't happy. He's not liking that at all. Listen to what Verse 17 says, But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council and all the Senate of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what would come, what would come to, what this would come to, excuse me. And someone came and told them, "Look, the men whom you put in prison, are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Let's stop right there at that verse, 28. So what happened was the disciples went on about their business, and they continued to preach, and they continued to teach. They continued to win souls, and the Sanhedrin and the Sadducees got mad, and they threw them in jail, and they said, you know what, we're going to put you all on trial. And when they put them on trial, when they got ready, before they could put them on trial, rather, they put him in jail. And when they put him in jail, they thought, okay, we can stop them. Don't you know God's got a way? And so he sent his angel, and his angel said, come on, keep doing what you're doing. Go back and do it. Now, hold on. I'm going to tell you, this is me talking. If the angel of the Lord got me out of jail, I probably would have said, hey, you know what? It's time for me to get some hat. But look at what the disciples do. You see, when you commit it, when you are committed to doing what the Lord says do, come what may, No matter what anybody says, you're going to do it. You don't need a crowd. You don't need somebody to to lay their hands on you. You don't need a special uh, um, piece of paper. Nothing. When you commit to do what God says do, nothing is going to stop you. That's a commitment that the disciples have, number one, because They've been with Jesus, number two. The Holy Spirit is leading and guiding them. And then finally, they have faith. They believe and do what the Word says. So wait a minute, hold on. So we believe and do what the Word says. We have uh, the Holy Spirit. So what's slowing us down? Is it that we don't actually aren't actually committed to the mission of God? Something to think about. Now, so the angel unlocks the doors, lets them out, and tell them go back and go back and keep preaching. When the when when the Sadducees send for them, so they can stand before the Sanhedrin, the guards are at the door. The door is still locked, and there's no apostles or disciples. And the first time they just had Peter and John. Now they got all of them. And they're out and they're preaching the word of God. And when they're found, it's such an astounding thing that, 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 you know, the people have held them in such high esteem and they're doing their job that the Sadducees don't dare try to force them to do anything. They ask him, hey, uh, can you guys come and... uh, you know, council want to talk to y'all, and they come. And look at what they say to them. They say, first of all, they say, look, I thought we told you to stop teaching in their name. And two, y'all trying to put this on us. Y'all trying to make it seem like we're the ones that caused the, the, the Jesus to die. And y'all trying to put the blood on our head. Y'all trying to make us accountable for what happened to Jesus. That's essentially what it says. And what we need to understand here is this, that they are trying to get compliance out of the disciples. They're saying to the disciples, look, we told you not to do something. We to get you in line because we in charge. You have to do X, Y, and Z, and stop doing that right there because you are causing trouble. You're going to mess us up with Rome. You're going to mess us up with the people, and we're not having that. So if you are a Jew, this is the way a Jew is going to act on our watch. In other words, what they're trying to do is get them compliant with the religion of the Jew. They're trying to make them good Jews. So they don't stir up any problems. But the problem with that is simple. First of all, Jesus turned the page. We are no longer under the law, but we're under grace. They're still trying to operate under the law, and Jesus has introduced grace. They're still sacrificing, and with Jesus, there's no more sacrifice because he sacrificed himself once for all. So they stuck in their old ways trying to do the old thing the way that they've been doing it because it works for them, even though the law doesn't work for the people. Now, the law is doing what it should do, and that is the purpose of the law is to point out the needs of man. The law tells you what sin is, but the law can't do nothing about sin. And so the law basically is still in force today. The law is still doing its job. It's telling us that we need Jesus. It's telling us, you're lying. You're stealing. You're not treating people right. You're you're going after other folks' stuff. You're not honoring God. The law tells us that. But then we ask the law, what can we do about it? You can die because the wages of sin are death. But now, so they're trying to get them in religion, and Jesus has called them to a relationship to become one with Him, as He is, with the Father, and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so the question becomes, are we going to continue to do what you say do, or are we going uh, and, and get ourselves right under the law? or are we going to do what God says to do? And so he begins to answer that. He says, look, he says in verse 29, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand Savior to give repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. So what Peter comes back and says is simple. Yeah, you did do it. Uh, you ain't, we ain't trying to put it on you. We ain't putting it on you because that's what you did. You hung him on the tree. You killed him. But God raised him up. God exalted him. And so he's saying to the Sadducee who don't believe in the resurrection that, oh, I don't care what you believe. We know that it happened because we saw it. We are witnesses to what happened with Jesus. And we're paying attention to you because we're going to obey God. The Lord told us what to do, and that's what we're going to do. That's why they were mad. That's why they wanted to kill him because they couldn't control him. The disciples decided that their relationship with God was more important than than conforming to what the religious leaders wanted them to do. So let me go a little further. So, but a Pharisee in the council, verse 34, but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, Take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutius rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So there was intervention again. This is the second intervention. The first intervention was with the angel. The second intervention is when Gamaliel, who is a Pharisee, by the way, stands up and basically says, if this thing is of man, it's going nowhere. And he cites examples. He said, but if this thing is of God, there's nothing you could do about it. And that's that's a, that's a word for somebody. What is of God is unstoppable. The word of God, when God declares and decrees something, there's nothing that the devil can do. And it's up to us to hold on to the word of God and to obey God rather than what we hear from man. It is more important, not that we have a religion, but that we have a relationship with God and that we know God for ourselves and that we obey his word. That's what's important. But then, Now, in this chapter, there's a couple things that I want to go through real quick. And the first thing is that, you know, um, that we have to do is we have to understand that this is a battle between Satan and God. And that when we operate in the name of Jesus, when we operate under the authority of God, when we place our trust in God, Satan is going to oppose us every step of the way. And I know a lot of people think that, you know, Christianity is real easy. It's just, you know, hunky-dory and you get saved and everything is all right. Not. You can get saved. But if you want to be a disciple, if you are out there doing what the Lord says do, if you love him and you keep his commandments, Satan is going to oppose you. That's it. There it is right there. But we have his name, we have his authority, and we have his promise that he's with us. And he has a, we know that he overcame, so we overcome. I like to tell it like this. I looked at the end of the book, and I found out that even though sometimes as a Christian, it looks like the Lions are winning. It looks like the score is bad. It looks like we're not scoring. Wait till the end of the game and see what happens because in the end, we win. But I want, I want to take you through, first of all, uh, the attitude that we should have even after we get beaten. See what the disciples said? They counted it all joy. Look at, look at James 1 real quick because the first thing that we've got to understand is in the fight, no matter what happens, count it all joy. Count it all joy that we are counted with Him, and not with the devil. Count it all joy that we're not looked at as religious, but instead that we have a relationship with God that supersedes anything that anybody else does. Look at uh, one um, verses, verses, two, James chapter one, verse two. It says, "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith." Oh, is that what it is? It is a test. Our faith is being tested. Imagine going into the gym and you're lifting weights and you're testing your strength. And you normally you do 135 and now somebody slapped 155 and you're pressing it and it's pressing you back. Well, you keep pressing it, guess what? You're going to get strong enough to lift it. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness and that steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So God allows us to be tested just to make us strong. Look, you know that the battle is between Satan and the Lord, and that we are in the middle of the battle as ambassadors and representatives of God, and that it ain't the people. See, we can go out there and we can call people Sadducees all they want to, but it's not them. It's the devil. Look at, look at um, Ephesians chapter 6, a well-known passage, and you know we recite it all the time, Ephesians chapter 6. I don't even have to look it up. I can see it. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's the passage. Here, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. I just want to give you a piece of it. Six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what we're wrestling with. It is a spiritual battle. Go to Galatians real quick. And, and you see, what you see is not only the fight, the spiritual fight, but you discover, you see, you have to know your enemy. We know it's the devil, but we also know that there's some stuff in us that needs to be identified just in case, just in case we're not operating in spirit, but we're operating in flesh. Go to, Gal- uh, go to Galatians chapter 5. I'm speeding along because I'm running out of time, but I need, to, I need to get this. Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to go 19 first. Here Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, origins, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice all of the negative. Look at what the Sadducees, look at the fruit that they are producing, and then look at the fruit that the disciples are producing. You see, sometimes, we, especially when we get too caught up in religion, all of a sudden you'll notice that there's a whole lot of negative coming out of you. We're always judging what other folks do. We, all, we don't have anything good coming out of our mouths about others, but we got bad stuff coming. When, when you notice that about yourself, you better check yourself because guess what's going to follow the rest of this stuff? The fruit of the flesh, the works of the flesh, the works of man. That's what you see in the Sadducee. Look at, but look at what you see coming out. Of the disciples, the apostles. I keep calling them the disciples, but they're the apostles at this point. Look at what you see out of the ministry of the apostles. Look at verse twenty-two. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm going to go a little further. If we live by the Spirit, and that's what the disciples are doing, let us also walk by the Spirit, which is what the disciples are doing. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You see, when you are a Spirit-controlled, a Spirit-filled individual, that's what you produce. Now, I know it's a lot of religious people walking around here saying, well, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. Hmm. Check your fruit. Check your fruit. If it's bitter, if it's not love, peace, joy, long suffering, uh-uh, then that's the wrong stuff. My blessings minutes are up, and I am not. Let I'm still in five more minutes. You know, I'm, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm getting used to this. Now, so what? What should you do if you find yourself in the wrong position? Well, turn the first speaker. Real quick. Real quick. I've got to figure out how to cut this lesson down just a little bit more. Turn to 1 Peter. Because there's always a battle going on in the spirit realm. And the battle is between Satan and God. And within us, it's between flesh and spirit. Whether we are going to uh, obey God and follow him, or whether we are going to obey our flesh our self-will, our mind, what we think is right. Uh, go to Peter 5 and look at verse 6. And so when you find yourself that your flesh is out of control, here's what you need to do. First, Peter 5, verse 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. So what do we have to do? First of all, we have to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. What does that mean? We have to bow to the will of God. We have to bow to the word of God. We know, secondly, the stuff that we are, are, are tempted with, the, the things that we're anxious about, give them to Him. Give them to Him. If we think that somebody's going to take advantage of us, tell the Lord. And then continue to do what he said to do. Because sometimes, yeah, we want to fight. But he tells us, nope, that ain't what I told you to do. I told you to suffer. I told you to let it be. I told you to keep your mouth shut. I told you don't hit that boy upside the head with that brick. I know you could get him. No, Mm -mm, don't do that. Humble yourself under my word. Bow to my word. Then it says, be sober. Basically, stay on watch. Don't let yourself get carried away with that mess. Watch out for the devil because you know that's the devil trying to do that. He said, because he's prowling around. Then finally, he says, resist him. When it says resist him, that don't mean curl up in no ball. Resistance is actively warring against, opposing something. Actively oppose the devil. How do we actively oppose the devil? By doing and saying what thus saith the Lord. By obeying. Jesus opposed the devil in the desert. Jesus resisted him by saying, it is written. And then confirming and confessing the word of God. In your situation, whatever it is, confess what God said. Don't worry about nobody else. Just say what God said. He says, and God will exalt you. God will exalt you. Well, let me let me wrap up real quickly. I know I'm, I'm over time. As you, again, here's what I want you to get out of tonight. Number one, you have to make a decision who you're going to follow. Will you conform to the religion of man or will you listen to God and Enhance your relationship with him by walking with him. The apostles chose to continue in Jesus. Will you continue in Jesus or will you continue in religion? And I'm not saying to you to go back and, you know, rebel against your pastor, rebel against your church. No, 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 no. I think the quickest way I could do it is, you know, Doing things out of a heart of love versus shape, form, and fashion. Doing things based upon what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, what the Word of God is telling you to do, or, well, this is the way we've been doing it. I'm going with God. I'm going with His Word. I'm gonna do what He say do. The devil, I'm, because I know that the devil is trying to set me up. So the key is trusting and obeying God. Those who trust in God will do his work by staying with the plan. And the plan is witnessing and advancing his kingdom. The work of God is done through true believers by the power of the Holy Spirit and signs and wonders will follow. What are signs and wonders? will advance the kingdom of God by winning souls for Christ. Always expect opposition. Don't get up in the morning thinking it's going to be an easy day. Put your your fighting clothes on every day. Put on the whole armor of God. Read Ephesians 6. Don't just look out. Look in. Always check yourself. You can identify the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the spirit merely by going back to those Galatians passages. And finally, no matter what happens, count it all joy. Be your own cheerleader. Encourage yourself as the disciples did. Even when you think you're getting whooped, you know that you're going to win. score might be 18 to nothing, the bottom of the ninth, two outs, three and two count. You've got one strike left, and you've got a lot of runs to score. Know that in the end, you're going to win. Amen? Well, that's it for chapter five and I hope hopefully you got it you see it you can, when you go back and read it you'll see the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit the hand of God versus the hand of Satan and how God brought the apostles through. Are there any questions? if you have questions you can call me on 929477 2304-929-477-2304. Or if you've got a question, you can put it right on the screen right now. And I told you all we're not going to waste a whole lot of time because I, I borrowed some of y'all time tonight. Any questions? Going once, going twice, sold. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name we come. We come saying thank you. We come reminding you that you chose us. Since you chose us, God, and you gave us the heart, we choose you. We want to walk with you. We want to be a part of your mission and your ministry. We want to be your hands and your feet. We want to be your mouth. We want to be that sower who goes forth scattering the word. We want to be the one who goes out and and helps bring in the harvest because the fields are white with harvest. We thank you, O God, that you have given us this new life in you. We praise you for it. It's your spirit. It was you, O God, who died for us. It was you who sent your Son, and we thank you for all that you have done in choosing us. Now make us count. Make us be your servants. Make us, O oh God, empower us to do great things. We believe, O oh God. We trust you. Give us the strength, even during in tribulations, to stand, and having done all, He'll stand. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's it for the night. I will see you next week with Acts chapter 6. We're running a couple of weeks behind, but we'll just keep right on marching. and Maybe we'll pick up some time later, and maybe we won't, but we, we want to remain faithful to studying the word of God but not only studying, doing his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, and I'll see you next week. Be blessed. Bye-bye.